Workday afternoon replay from Money FM 89.3. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Market View on this Monday afternoon on Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Montero, joined as usual by JP Ong. And since it is Monday, joined as well by Vince Rinivasan, executive editor of News. Now, it has been an interesting weekend. There was <laughs> continued violence in Hong Kong. There was news coming out of the US for us. And this week is going to be interesting as well because the China-US trade talks will resume, mm-hmm. at least last we heard. Yes, it's still on track for October 10. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, just a quick update. We're seeing that markets, at least here in Singapore, are, are recovering. We're up by about 21 and a half points, just in case our listeners wanted an update after lunch. 3,099 is where we're at. So we're close to 3,000 to 3,100 once again after we fell below that level over the course of last week. Not a lot of turnover still. And again, people um, understandably a bit more risk up, a bit more cautious because it's only 290 and a half million Singapore dollars in total value to over leading up to that October 10 meeting mm-hmm. where uh, Vice Premier Liu He is supposed to to arrive in Washington DC and kick off those talks people are staying a, a bit risk off and uh, I think the concern now is that Beijing over the weekend also indicated that uh, they would like a narrower scope in terms of the trade talks. They'd like to focus on certain key issues. And this goes counter against what uh, President Trump has uh, tweeted and mentioned in the media to reporters over the last couple of weeks that he wants a comprehensive trade deal or nothing at all. And if he doesn't get this 100%, then there might not be a deal that will be achieved at the end of this. So there are still a couple of tariffs on uh, waiting in the wings. Mm-hmm. Remember that they did delay the next tranche of tariffs at least until mid-October. So that could come online anytime soon. But uh, it also is uh, a number of analysts are looking at this as possibly both sides perhaps hardening their stance right. ahead of things. And perhaps the only thing they might concede on is the re- resumed the purchasing tra- by China of agricultural products, such as soybean and pork, because so we know they need those products. Mm-hmm. At the same time, the U.S. needs a bit of a, a win, at least in the agricultural sector, and especially President Trump, who's been losing a bit of support in these particular areas. So because of these falling sales, which is, has led, as we mentioned, to John Deere the other week, uh, cutting the, about almost 200 jobs because of uh, lower factory output, uh, lower farm output, sorry, and thus the lower need for or the decreased need for some of these far, this farm equipment that they produce. So they're linking this to the U.S.-China trade impact. So this could be, as low, this could be a, an easy win for the Trump administration, helping them bolster their support in these, uh, in these farming regions in the Midwest and across the U.S. Should they be able to uh, convince China to start buying some of their agricultural products, helps China at least address some of the pork problems they have over there. We'll see if they, if they actually come to that, but but always hanging over the over the head of markets right now is is Trump's continued message that he wants an, a comprehensive deal or nothing at all. So he's playing that all or nothing approach once again, whereas China's like, wait a minute, can we take this step by step? Mm-hmm. So the, again, different negotiating styles, different different agendas, different objectives leading up to Thursday. It's going to be very interesting, but a lot of uh, things. It's a tangled uh, not they're going to have to de-thread. And they're very, very difficult as from, from the outside looking in. Then do you think that the U.S. unemployment rates coming in lowest in almost 50 years is going to strengthen President Trump's language and position? Um, of course, uh, 
President Trump being Trump uh, will claim credit for that. It's at a 50-year low at 3.5%. Mm-hmm. You know, despite services and uh, other data, you know, goods data coming in low, strong unemployment data is always a positive. Sure. And it will strengthen his uh, rhetoric, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. Coming back to the China-US uh, trade thing, this is one area where he has bipartisan support in, right. his, in dealing with China. Because the general feeling in at the Hill in Washington is that China cheats, particularly on intellectual property and other things. Mm-hmm. Now, the question is, will he be able to get his comprehensive trade agreement this week when they meet? Chances are low, I'd say. Very low also. And one of the other sticking points there is that the U.S. has continually pushed for China to eliminate government subsidies Mm -hmm. to uh, Chinese companies. But this is kind of a hallmark of Chinese SOEs or state-owned enterprises for the last, what, three or four decades or ever since China became a people's republic. So, you know, is China willing to take that drastic drastic, uh, of a measure to end the trade war? Because if this becomes one of those make-or-break things for the talks, then that really complicates things and probably spells... A very high probability that we might see more tariffs down the road, more tensions, and and possibly no very little to no progress at the end. They of could, they could talks. come up with an uh, with an intermediate compromise. Let's mm-hmm. say okay, they they did they decide on a few things this mm-hmm. week, and then maybe have a few more discussions before the next set of tariffs kick in. Because at the end of the day, Trump is also facing difficulties on other fronts, you know, the impeachment, there's all these things. He needs one victory in hand. He needs a win. He needs a win. So there is a slight, small, small window for compromise. Whether he grabs it or not, left to be seen. Right. Okay. Now, what further complicates China's position, maybe, is the fact that Hong Kong is not backing down and the protests are getting more violent. How much distraction is that to the Chinese as they enter into the U.S.? China trade talks. Well, mm. if one were to believe the news flows from the U.S., Trump has given a tacit, what do you call it, a nod, a wink and a nod to say he won't comment on this, right? Mm-hmm. On what's happening in Hong Kong. But things are on a boil in Hong Kong. I mean, the, the legislation that came in, the anti-face mask legislation, hasn't gone down well. Well, they're completely Nobody, ignoring uh, it. Yeah, they're totally ignoring it. And, uh, you know, th- tonight we, we saw a lot of quite violent incidents uh, over the weekend. Yeah. And apparently tonight we're going to see even more of it. And one third of the 90 over MTR stations are closed down after 6 p.m. tonight. Mm-hmm. So things are on a boil. And the latest I hear is that uh, the, the somebody from some authority from the Chinese garrison, army garrison in Hong Kong, has issued a warning. So it all, you know, it's it's all turning very very uh, uncertain right now. Mm-hmm. You know, police are unable to handle it. The, the kids are on the streets still throwing rocks and destroying stuff. And the Chinese are watching it. And uh, there's a huge garrison based in Hong Kong. So, I mean, there are not going to be too many experts who are going to get this right. You don't know which way this whole thing is sure. going to spin. Mm. Okay. That's not exactly um, a happy thought, but... S- Since we have no answers there, it is a developing story that we will watch very closely. One of the things that actually did concern me was HSBC going to be cutting 10,000 jobs worldwide. A lot of those jobs, I'm assuming, is coming from Europe. 
Yes, a lot of them coming from the top, actually. They said a lot of high executives. This according to a report from the Financial Times. So they're cutting jobs, 10,000 10, jobs worldwide. And right now, total job losses are at about 60,000 mainly in Europe. So this spells a bit of a... It just shows how many problems the banks around the world are facing. Now, Singaporean banks perhaps just on a bit better footing. Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't really heard of uh, the big three here announcing any cuts. But it, it does show that uh, the pressure right now with banks, and this is something I spoke to Moody's senior credit officer, Alka Anbarasu, uh, about the other day. Um, the issue with banks right now is that you're not seeing a lot of them turn a profit in terms of trading because mm-hmm. of how volatile the markets have been, because of how low these interest yields are. So when you have an environment where you're struggling to make profits because of low interest margins, then you're struggling to make profits on some of this trading and investment deals that you're making because of how volatile markets are up one week, down the other. How else can you turn a profit if you're a bank? Well, you start to cut costs. Mm-hmm. That You start looking at the expense side of your, of your, uh, of your P&L and you start saying, well, let's see what we can trim here. Let's see what we can, uh, we can fix. Keep in mind also that the banks, according to Moody's, are, they're facing a huge digitization push. So uh, a lot of folks have actually lauded the Singaporean banks, like DBS in particular, and the other, and the other, and OUB, OCBC, not far behind, but they've been pretty much at the forefront of digitization. And while there are varying estimates, a lot of them have said that if banks start to digitize more, you might actually see some of their costs come down because you won't need to maintain as many brick-and-mortar shop store branches. You won't need to maintain as many back-office support also because of this digital push. If, that, if that's the case, then it does embolden some of these global banks to also say, maybe we need to start cutting jobs. And in the interim, we use that time to pivot towards some of these digital solutions and innovations that are starting to take hold in the banking industry. Uh, this is something that uh, HSBC uh, could be preparing themselves for also. Down the road. We'll have to, of course, wait for more comments from their CEO. Um, you know, a, a number of news um, outlets and media groups have tried to reach out to HSBC for more comment. They have said that... They've declined they've, comments. They've declined comments apart from this financial time article where they were cited to be cutting 10,000 jobs worldwide. I think they just want to contain the uh, contain things. But it's also notable that a lot of these are going to come for mid to top level executives also. Which is the interesting thing, because if you're talking about digitization, usually that is a rank and file position that becomes redundant. Th- that's true. But at the same time, if you're talking about a digital strategy, you might need different kinds of leaders to implement that strategy, to form that strategy. And are your traditional banking executives who are focused on other these things, are they prepared to really embrace the technology and how it might change the banking, their banking strategy? So you might see more tech-savvy banking, uh, banking um, executives come in, maybe more folks from the tech side coming in and saying, hey, this is how we're going to f- push your pivot to, to, for, for banks. Of course, all of this uh, at the moment is just, uh, we're just highlighting certain trends that are happening mm-hmm. in, in parallel to HSBC's decision to cut jobs. But yeah. this is not the first time that HSBC has trimmed their workforce either. And uh, and uh, there could also be a potential link that, uh, bet- between these two uh, trends. Of course, I could always be wrong, but they're both happening part and parcel beside each other at the moment. Well, and, 10, and the West is, needs, is catching up with how Singapore at least is trying to at least push this um, idea. 10,000 jobs are a lot of jobs, especially mm-hmm. from the mid and high tier yes. managers. You're basically talking about some very expensive staffing there, mm-hmm. but when you take that staffing out, they are experienced. Mm-hmm. If you're going to replace them, you're going to replace them with potentially younger, savvier tech people without that much experience. Of course. So, so you're going to be sacrificing. There is that trade-off, right? You might be bringing these people who know how to digitalize things, but can they digitize a bank? Can they understand that a bank at the end of the day is still trying to drive more loan growth, still trying to drive access to credit to individuals and to corporations, but in different channels, they'll still need to understand that. So yeah, this is if, if these are the things that banks like HSBC are handling, the change towards 
digital models versus, say, cutting their costs. I mean, it's a tricky transition, Mm -hmm. nevertheless, and there's going to be some trade-offs depending on how you want to handle these reductions or these restructurings. Okay, Ven, so let's, let's, we're on Monday today and we are fast approaching mid-month. What kind of news are we looking at that might affect markets and its movements over the next week, over the week after that? I think basically it's the usual, uh, you know, data that, that's going to come out, what the Fed's going to do. Um, we're going to be looking very closely at events, news flows from the U.S., mm-hmm. If you're talking about Europe, you know, what's happening with Brexit, uh, you know, we are fast approaching 31st of October. Sure. Then things are really moving very fast in Washington. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, uh, the market doesn't like all this impeachment stuff that's happening out there. You don't know which way things are going to go. The closest thing to us right now is what's happening on the China-US uh, trade negotiation right. front. So, I mean, there is expectations that Going forward, uh, there will be more easing. The Fed will cut rates, even though uh, wages. I mean, Jobs. Uh, wages are holding steady, yep. and and uh, mm-hmm. unemployment has low. actually yep. fallen. Uh, nevertheless, the easing uh, will continue. So these are every week you get a new bunch of data hitting the market, and every week we react to it. Nothing is going to change. Mm-hmm. We're going to we're going to be swaying to the to the music but it does feel like um the analysts the buyers the traders they're all quite tired looking at the the low value turnovers and it, it's just they're tired they don't know where to go it's, it's become a trading orientated nobody can take a long term view anymore it's all news flow driven okay. uh, trades uh, people are making money if they are making money they're making money at the margins on the news flows you anticipate a news news flow so you you're saying quick in quick out quick buy in, the rumors uh, sell the news yeah. the <laughs> market's right? exactly you buy in rumors sell on the news. Right. So that's what's happening. That's what's been happening for the last God knows how long, uh, six months, eight months. Right. Because every day something new hits the headlines. So if you're a trader, it's you got to be nimble. There are lot, going to be lots of nervous moments. You got to know what you're doing. You got to have strong, strong... Uh, you got to have uh, a strong heart. Yeah. Mm. Or you just sit on the sidelines and you wait for the storm to pass or cash out or, or just going back into defensive place, which is why that's what many are trying to highlight. So if you if for things to really look out for as well, there's three uh, items that I'm really looking out for. Number one, tomorrow um, is uh, the release of Samsung's earnings. Right. So I uh, think everyone's analysts, looking at that. Everyone's looking at that because everyone is a, a number of houses have actually forecasted that the chip, microchip or semiconductor sector is in for a rebound or is bottoming out already. Now, mm-hmm. why is this important for Singapore? Because a number of our tech distributors account in the su- supply chains of Apple, Samsung, and all of these other um, microchip producers also, whether they supply testing equipment, whether they supply um, actual components for some of these microchips. So if we start to see a rebound from one of the large just um, microchip and uh, microchip users and producers, this could actually feed in positively for the manufacturing sector, which, mind you, has been in a contraction for the last five months, electronics for 11 months. The second thing we're looking out for tomorrow, China and Hong Kong are both coming back online. Hong Kong markets are closed today. Uh, so they've we'll been have gone to for fa- a week. Yes. Uh, the mainly Chinese markets have been. Hong Kong's off today. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow they come back online. So we'll see how they digest. And might, it might be a good thing, too, because of the things that have happened over the weekend. Sure. So we want to see how how the markets are going to react to the developments over the weekend, the anti-face mask ban also, um, how they're going to approach the U.S.-China trade talks coming on, on Thursday. And mind you, next week on October 14, 
we will be expecting the advanced third quarter GDP figures for Singapore. Right. So these are for, those are important figures for us, right? Very now. important figures, and mind you, we, we, and mind you, we have to also talk about the U.S.-China trade talks on on Thursday. So let's make that a a, 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 a checklist of four things to look out for. So you you've already got our uh, agenda for the next th- for this Thursday. Pretty much, I think it's going to be a, a, a we'll have to talk about this on Thursday and Absolutely. on Friday also. Right, a lot of things. It will be interesting to see what uh, Jeff Howie has to say about mm-hmm. all of it. Yes. All right. Well, this has been Market View on Workday Afternoon with Ven Srinivasan, our executive news editor, JP Ong, our finance presenter. I'm Clarice Montero for Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.